Okay, how you doing? And welcome to episode number 35 of the John Riley Project. Today is, what is it, Tuesday, February 19th, uh, episode number 35. And we're going to talk about the big news of the day about Manny Machado signing with the Padres, which I think is just fabulous. We're going to really get into that. I'm going to touch a little bit on Bruce Bochy and his recent announcement. So this is going to be a sports episode, a baseball episode, and we'll be going through some of those issues. Um, but I want to put this out there. Hey, if you're if you're listening on iTunes, if you're listening on Spotify, Stitcher, thank you for listening. If you're joining us and, and viewing on YouTube, thank you. If you're a, a longtime listener or viewer, thanks for your loyalty. I really appreciate it. And if this is your first time, hey, right on. Welcome. I uh, hope you enjoy it and hope you get great value entertainment out of this. And please share it with a friend if you like it. So uh, today, we're, let's talk about Manny Machado. This is the big, big news. And this broke on Twitter probably around 930 this morning. And this had been percolating for a while that the Padres have been talking with Manny Machado, who is one of the two most coveted free agent uh, free agents on the market today, and probably the, one of the most coveted free agents that's been available in a generation. Uh, Manny Machado, you know, came up through the Baltimore Orioles organization. Um, they traded him away midway through the season. He finished up the year with the Dodgers. This guy is one of the top hitters in the league. He plays shortstop. He plays third base. He plays a premium position. Um, you know, I was just looking up the numbers. Someone online was saying, ah, he's not that good. And he had a bad year in 2017. The dude had like 30-something home runs and 95 RB highs in 2017. And in 2018, last year, he was even better. So hallelujah, the Padres making a move. And this is such a big, big deal for the city of San Diego. I mean, we've been, I always talk about this online, the San Diego sports curse, and it's brutal. You know it's brutal. The Chargers just moved out of town. Um, we've got, uh, uh, you know, the Clippers have left town. The Padres have had their challenges throughout the years. We've got the Aztecs with their struggles, USD with their struggles at the D1 level. Um, I mean, we can go on and on about the, the awful things that have happened in San Diego in sports. Um, I mean, heck, the Clippers, they, they got hometown hero Bill Walton and his ankles and his knees went south. They end up getting rid of him. He goes to the Celtics, helps him win a championship. And again, I, I need to do a San Diego Sports Curse podcast episode because there is a long list of things we can break down. Um, and I think that'd be fun to go over. But at any rate, San Diego is starving for some kind of sports feel-good story, some sports excitement. We just want hope that our professional teams can actually be championship caliber, can be competitive, because, man, it's lonely at the ba in the basement of the National League West. And I'm, I'm a loyal Padre fan. You know, I, I was born in San Francisco, raised a Giants fan, and... Um, uh, I came uh, to San Diego in 82 to go to college. And by the time I got to the late 1980s, I, by that point, I had pretty much adopted the Padres as my number one team. They kind of flip-flop with the Giants. The Giants went to number two. And I've been following the Padres loyally now for just about 30 years. And they've only made the playoffs, I think, three or four times in that time frame. They've been to one World Series, but they got 
destroyed by a, a Yankee team in 98 that was unbelievable. But there has been so many years of misery, and now they finally ponied up. So what, what do we've got going? We've got hope. We've got excitement in our city. The, the Twitter sphere, Padres Twitter is alive. It's buzzing. I, I'm sure Darren Smith and, and uh, uh, Scott and BR over at 1090, they're going to be talking about it all day. This is a big deal for San Diego, big deal in San Diego sports. So I, I'm just excited because we haven't felt that in so long. You know, what the Padres have struggled, you know, the um, you know, the Chargers are pretty good there when, you know, Rivers and LT, then how long ago was that? It was about 10 years ago. But, you know, they always still disappointed us. Um, but I haven't really felt electrified with San Diego sports since the 98 World Series or the 95 Super Bowl. I'm feeling a little bit of that right now with the Manny Machado signing. And I, I just think it's a great, great thing for San Diego sports. Um but yeah, let's let's break it down. Let's look at what does this mean? What, where is he going to fit in the lineup? How, how do the Padres afford this? You might be asking. Let's let's talk about that. The uh, the Padres signed him to a ten year deal for three hundred million dollars. The biggest free agent uh, sports signing in the history of humankind. Um, which is insane. Little San Diego here, kind of in the bottom left corner of the domestic United States, little spunky San Diego just just signed on the dotted line, or they're technically about to, but uh, just agreed to a $300 million deal. And you're thinking, how in the heck can the Padres afford this? Because they've always been a small market team. Well, a lot of things have, have been happening, you know, First of all, baseball as an entity is making tons of money, huge amounts of revenue coming in from big TV deals. Um, you know, if you go to the ballpark, it's not a $5 ticket. So going to the games, it's expensive, but especially those TV deals, there's just a lot of revenue coming in. And the Padres have always had a very low payroll and partly because the previous owners we always assumed were cheap and they were to a great degree. Um, and then we had the, you know, the, Mor the Morag group, which was trying to buy the team on layaway plan. They had very little working capital. They were always doing it on the cheap. And then, you know, with our current ownership with Fowler and Seidler, they get involved and they were still kind of, you know, being really careful and, and uh, kind of putting kind of a triple A team out on the field for a while. But a lot of times they were, you know, we saw it with Kevin Acey's article that came out to a degree. They, they had some challenges with debt that they had inherited with the team, but the team is now trying. I mean, in 2015, they tried, they got Preller and, and, you know, they made an effort and it didn't work. You know, they got what Kemp and Justin Upton and, and uh, that's when they got Will Myers and, Derek Norris came over and they put together the team that year and we were all fired up. It didn't work. Uh, to AJ Preller's credit, he cut bait quickly, traded away those guys. He got a lot of good return on those trades. And now we're going here at a second effort to kind of go all in, but we're going in a lot bigger. So $300 million, 10-year deal, that's like 30 million bucks a year. And the Padres, you know, they're if you look at just the players that are likely to be on the 25-man roster before this Machado signing, I think that payroll commitment was only around like 50 or $60 million because um, there was really only a couple of high-priced guys. There's Hosmer, there's Myers, and then there's a couple of relievers that do pretty well. Um, 
at least by Padre standards, where they make two, three million bucks a year. Then they sign Kinsler. But then after that, everyone else is making pretty darn close to the major league minimum of, you know, roughly speaking about 500 grand a year, which is, that's pretty damn good to play a, uh, play a game that you love playing. That's a great way to make a living. Um, but the Padre payroll had been, you know, it's really only going to be around 50 something million. But, you know, due to some of these wheeling and dealings, they, they've also taken on contracts of players that are no longer with the team. So I think if you added that part into the equation, the payroll was around 80 million-ish, which is still way, way, way lower than the average payroll in Major League Baseball, which I don't know the exact number, but it's it's around $150 million a year, if, if I recall. Um, so now by signing Machado, that, that means that the annual payroll, which today is $80 million a year, is going to be $110 million in 2019, I mean, that's still way below the league average on revenue while revenue across the league has been going up. So, you know, I'm not privy to all the details in the book, but I think, you know, generally speaking, this works because you've got, now you've got three very highly paid guys in Machado, Hosmer, and Myers, and they're surrounded by the rest of the team, for the most part, is making around five, six hundred thousand dollars a year, and then you got a couple of guys that are making two or three million. So the math can work, and heck, they still have room to spend even more to even get to the league average uh, for payroll. So financially, this works. Financially, this could be a huge upside if if they play it right, because now you've got Machado, one of the top players in all of baseball, as the face of your franchise. They're going to be um, converting to the brown and gold uniforms in uh, 2020. And I mean, imagine how many of these new uniforms with Machado, and I don't know what number he's going to be. I think he was he was number eight with the Dodgers. I think he was 13 with the Orioles. So curious to see what number he ends up picking. But there's going to be a ton of, of brown Machado jerseys, even in 2019 with the current version of brown that they wear on Friday night. So you know they're going to get um, lots of merchandise sales, Ticket sales are, are going to go up. I've seen a number of guys in Padres Twitter that have been making all these crazy promises. If Fowler and Seidler Mach- sign Machado, then I'm going to, and a lot of them said, I'm going to buy season tickets. And I saw at least one guy did, and he posted a screenshot on Twitter that said, thank you very much for you know signing up for season tickets. Um, and by the way, a lot of other people agreed to do outlandish things. Um, I should have compiled a list of them. Maybe I'll do that on the next podcast. But just some of the most ridiculous, silly things that people said, and they put it on record in Padres Twitter, that if the Padres sign Machado or Harper, I will, you know, buy everyone a beer. I will do some crazy stunt. Um, I'll get a Padres tattoo. I'll do this or that. So I think that's going to be fun to go through that. But the revenue opportunity here is significant for the Padres because they're going to get more money at the gate. They're going to get more money in merchandise sales. They're going to um, uh, they're going to be a, a featured team on national broadcasts now that they've got Machado. And if this whole thing comes together the way they hope, with you know you've got the the three big highly paid players surrounded with this hot talent lava. You got Fernando Tatis Jr. and and Luis Urias, and and then you've got a lot of these other players that are up and coming. If the Padres turn out to be a competitive team with Machado and Hosmer and Myers as kind of the the three-headed monster of the offense, 
you know, they're going to be on TV a lot. They're going to be a feature team in baseball, and that's going to create more revenue opportunities for the league and for the Padres. So this could turn out to be a great business move for the Padres. Now, there's always risk. You know, he could get hurt. He could turn into a, a bad seed, which I think there's some concern about that. But, um, you know, people are always kind of, I guess we're so burnt here in San Diego. We've been, we've been dealing with this San Diego sports curse for so long. It's hard for some of us to take the good news. You know, um, was just talking um, with a, a good friend of mine, um, you know, Larry Schuler. If you're watching this, you and I had a conversation this morning, and at the same the type of conversation I was hearing from national sports guys on the MLB channel on Sirius XM, and. It, and it's basically this, is that when the Padres were not spending any money, had a, you know, a minor league team, people would complain and gripe and say, this isn't a professional team and the same old Padres. Then when the Padres make a commitment and sign Myers, then people say, oh, he's not the guy to sign. Then they signed Hosmer. Oh, terrible signing, bad contract. And then they were, then, then were talking about signing Machado and Buster Olney from ESPN was saying, terrible that they shouldn't do that and 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 we're even seeing it from some of the fans that they they just don't trust that the Padres will ever make a good choice because of the history now granted a lot of that history goes back to um uh you know to previous owners previous GMs but it just seems that whoever is in charge of the Padres holds the baggage of 50 years and this is the 50 year anniversary of all of that We've just got to lighten up, folks, and just embrace it and celebrate it and say, right on, Manny Machado, he's our guy. And he's going to help turn around the San Diego Padres and make them competitive. So we're no longer dealing with a team of, of you know, no-name, nondescript guys or guys that are on the very end of their career. Um, we're going to be dealing with, with guys that are up and coming, highly talented. And Manny Machado, he's 26 years old. He plays a premium position at shortstop or third base. And he's going to be productive. I mean, ideally, he's productive throughout the entire 10 years. But even if he's only productive for six of those years, it's still a win. Because when we get down further down the line, um, and it's six, seven, eight years into this contract, that $30 million a year nut, I mean, it's still a big nut. But it's going to be a lot less proportionately because the the, the sport's going to expand, the marketplace expanded, um, the time value of money is going to go down. Uh, so that thirty million will not be as heavy of a lift for the Padres when we get eight, nine, ten years out. So it's still going to work. It's still going to be great. So, in my opinion, as long as he doesn't get hurt, as long as Machado isn't a victim of the San Diego sports curse, then we've got hope. We finally. I mean, I've been saying this for a while. When Preller came on board, I felt like, okay, we've got a plan. Now, granted, they kind of put all their cards on the table and, or they put all their chips on the table in 2015 with the Kemp and the Upton and the Kimbrell and all that. That didn't work. They pulled back and then they rebuilt the farm system. They spent like $80 million, I think it was in 2016, on the international draft, making those big investments. That's all the hot talent lava. They've got all of these young players are coming up. And now we've got a couple of big time proven guys, um, MVP caliber guys, World Series championship guys 
like Hosmer and Kinsler that are on the roster. And so now we've got something going on. So um, what does the lineup look like? And AJ Casavell, who's um, a beat writer for the Padres on MLB.com, um, he, he put this together. I think this, this is a great lineup on paper. And this is if you assume that Tatis is on the Padres. And we know that he's probably not going to get called up until mid-May at the soonest, you know, just for contract reasons to give the Padres an extra year of control. But once Tatis comes up, we've got Urias will lead off and play second. Then Fernando Tatis Jr. will bat uh, second and play shortstop. Then in the three hole should be Eric Hosmer at first base, and he's working on a little more launch angle. So hopefully he'll get some more line drives and, and some more power. In the four hole in the cleanup spot, Manny Machado uh, playing third base, man. I mean, just the right guy, a big bat, great athlete right in the middle of the lineup. And then in the number five hole, you got Will Myers. Will Myers sporting the uh, hair club for men, Bosley hair. He's got uh, more confidence, more swagger. He's uh, feeling good. Uh, if you if you haven't seen the um, the crop he's got on, it's it's wonderful. I'm really happy for Will. He's recently married, loving life, and he's going to bat fifth. And then in the six, seven, and eight holes, this is where it's going to get interesting. So in the six hole, they'll probably be the right fielder. Is it Fran Mil Reyes? Is it Hunter Renfro? Everybody in uh, you know that are kind of baseball statistical nerds are loving Fran Mil Reyes, the way he made adjustments, the way he um, the way he bats, the kind of um, that he can hit for power and hit for average. I think there's a lot of upside, a lot of excitement about Fran Mil Reyes, but he's still young. I mean, he had a great final two months of the year in 2018. Um, can he become an even better player? And I read an article today, and they were comparing Fran Mil Reyes's last two months of the year that were right on par with Christian Yelich, the MVP player for the Milwaukee Brewers. So, so and, and if Fran Mil, you know, has a sophomore slump, you, you can still put Renfro out there, and if he gets you know 500 at bats, he'll still hit 30 home runs. And he'll do all right for you. He won't hit for a high average, but he'll still supply power. Then in the seven hole is going to be the center fielder. And it's going to be either Manny Margot or it's going to be Franchi Cordero. Now, Margot, fabulous defensively. Margot could be a great leadoff hitter if he kind of figures it out. And this is going to be his third year. And this is going to be a big year for Margot. Can he get on base uh, on a much higher percentage? Can he hit for average? Can he be a better base runner? Which, given all of his speed, it's surprising he's not a better base runner. So this is a big step forward for him. He's got to make that leap. But Franchi Cordero, we he was injured last year. Um, he got hurt, I think, in May. But this guy has insane power. Did you see that home run he hit in Arizona in April? It was unbelievable. It was like a moonshot. This guy could be incredible as a hitter. Um, defensively, he's not as good as Margot, but he's got the speed and athleticism. If you give him some time, he could develop into a satisfactory uh, center fielder. Margot, by the way, is, you know, gold glove caliber defensively. So in the um, seven hole, it's either Margot or it's Franchi Cordero. And Eck, if it turns out to be Franchi Cordero, you can play him for seven innings and bring in Jankowski uh, to be a defensive replacement for the final two um, innings. And, and Jankowski is every bit as good as Margot defensively. So that could work out actually really well. 
And then in the eight hole, it's a catcher. So is it Austin Hedges, who had a fantastic sec second half of the year and defensively is great? Or is it Francisco Mejia, who we got in the trade with Cleveland from in, in the Brad Hand deal, who has unbelievable bat speed. I mean, you watch him bat, it's like watching Gary Sheffield. Um, so this guy has huge power, um, has a cannon of an arm behind the plate. He's going to be great. So they're saying now Mejia might start in AAA to give him more at-bats, but that's going to be a battle between those two. So defensively, this is setting up really nice with the assigning Machado because third base was the hole. Now, to start the season, Tatis will be in the minors. Uh, he'll be in AAA probably. So I guess Machado will probably start at short is my guess. I would assume Urias will go to second. And then at third base, you know, who's it going to be? Is they going to have Kinsler there? Or are they going to have um, Ty France or one of the younger guys? There's this other guy that we got um, from Boston. Um, I think his last name is Kuros, and he's an older guy. He's like about well, older. He's like 27 or 28 years old. He could turn out to be a surprise. So maybe they give him a shot, you know, for the first month, month and a half of the season before um, Tatis comes up. But even then, even if even if third base is a little bit squirrely, even if third base has a little bit of a turnstile, the other seven defensive positions, I mean, we're sitting pretty, folks. And all of these guys can hit. And we've got some competition in center field, competition in right field, and there's competition behind the plate. So this is setting up great. But then there's the pitching. And so there's, there's really no proven number one guy. I mean, they're saying that Eric Lauer and Joey Lucchese are going to be locks for the rotation, but geez, they only have one year of experience under their belt. And these guys are really, you know, number three, number four starters on a really good staff. Uh, it'd be great if we could trade some of our surplus outfielders and go get Corey Kluber from the Indians. The Indians desperately need outfield help. Maybe we work a deal. Now, right now, now that we've made that investment in Machado, maybe Preller is going to say, okay, let's go all in. Now let's get another number one. Let's get a good pitcher. So if it's not Kluber, maybe it's Marcus Stroman from the Blue Jays and they trade for him, or maybe they go back and um, consider Syndergaard. So maybe they resurrect those um, discussions that they had with the other GMs to get a number one pitcher. But even if they don't get a number one, They've got enough young guys um, that who knows, this could turn out to be like the Atlanta Braves in the early 1990s, you know, back when Glavin and Smoltz and Steve Avery were all young rookies and they all kind of came up together. And that staff turned out to be an incredible staff in the 1990s, the best pitching staff in baseball. So could our young guys grow that way on their own? Do they need to go get a number one? I mean, the Atlanta Braves went out and got Greg Maddox, who had, he was still young at the time, but he had pitched, I think, for about four or five years with the Cubs. And then the Braves, I think, did a trade to get Maddox. So can the Padres get a trade to get a more proven number one and then let the kids, um, you know, grow and mature in the two through five slots? I think they could. You know, Lucchese, Lauer, um, I think um, uh, Logan Allen is going to get a, a good shot this year. He's been terrific. We got him in the Kimbrel deal. Um, there's uh, um, uh, Cal Quantrill, a number one draft pick, uh, number eight overall. You know, his father pitched in the major leagues for a long time. He's going to get an opportunity. Um, Chris Paddock, oh my God, Chris Paddock, minor league pitcher of the year. He's going to get an opportunity. These guys may not be on the opening day roster, but we're going to see him in 2019. 
Plus, you've got these other guys that, like Jacob Nix, who showed a lot of promise in the minors. He had some games last year where he was amazing, but he had other games where he blew up. Um, so can Nix figure it out? Or what about Brian Mitchell? Brian Mitchell, a guy we traded for last year, we put him in the rotation to start the year, and he was awful. But they put him into the bullpen, and he had an injury. I don't know how real that injury was, but he ended up going on that injury reserve list. And But when he came back in September, he had four dynamite starts. So can Brian Mitchell perform like he did in September? If he did, great. Can Knicks perform like he did in some of his starts? Great. You know, so there's a lot of other starting pitchers that can make this interesting. So do we have the staff now that could be somewhat similar to the Atlanta Braves in the 90s? Maybe. But we do know that in a couple of more years, we're going to see Mackenzie Gore. We're going to see Anderson Espinosa. We're going to see, you know, all these other guys come up, um, Patino. And when they do, that's going to be a whole better level of pitching that's going to come from the Padres. So hopefully we see significant progress here in 2019, hoping the Padres can at least get to 500. Come on, guys. It seems like every year the Padres flirt with being right around 500 or just under 500 in May or June. It gets my hopes up, and then they go into an eight-game slide. So let's hope that's not the case this year. But I'm telling you, I'm a Padre fan. I'm a San Diego sports fan. I am really, really excited that Manny Machado is on the team. I think it's a great move for our city. I think it's a great move for the community and the spirit and and something to get excited about in San Diego sports. I think it could be a great move for the owners. I think from a business perspective, this could pencil out very nicely. And now I can watch my Padres on TV um, this spring and summer and really get excited about them. So I am fired up. So good job, AJ Preller. Good job, Ron Fowler, Peter Seidler for putting this together. Uh, Manny Machado, if you're watching the John Riley Project podcast, and I know you, if you're not watching it now, I know you will be a loyal watcher or loyal viewer, a loyal listener. Manny, I want to welcome you to San Diego. It's America's finest city. You're going to love it here. And um, we welcome you here to San Diego and we look forward to great things to come. Okay. Um, all right. You know, uh, I'm actually, I'm, I'm talking to the camera right here, the the podcast camera, but the camera over there, and I'm talking to that now, I'm doing a live stream here of the John Riley Project and uh, a behind the scenes there. So if you want to see the behind the scenes version of this podcast, and I was commenting on a number of issues and I was kind of getting the podcast studio set up. Go to my Facebook page. So I've got two Facebook pages. I've got the John Riley Project page, which is sort of the public page, the fan page, and that's really easy to like and join. But I've got another page, and it's called the John Riley Project Insiders Group. This is a top secret, invitation-only Facebook group. So if you want to kind of get in on the inside scoop, on the inside scoop, then you need to connect with the John Riley Project Insiders Group, and then you get the live stream for those of you that are watching on my phone over here. Um, and the live stream of, um, you know, when I'm setting up the podcast, I'll be talking with uh, the group. Um, and then I'm usually out on the road and kind of sharing stories and commentary on a variety of things. So seek out the John Riley Project Insiders Group. If um, you haven't already been invited, request access 
you just got to answer a couple of fun questions and I'll approve you and then you're in. And that's kind of where we're going to have our own conversation on the issues. Uh, so kind of creating a, a community there um, uh, in, in Facebook. So we got our broader community. We're creating our little special group um, there. So follow me there and, um, you know, Twitter, um, John Riley Project, Instagram, uh, excuse me, on Twitter, it's John Riley Poway and Instagram also John Riley Poway. So that's where you can follow me there. Um, I also, this is a baseball episode. I want to give a huge shout out, congratulations, tip of the hat, everything to Bruce Bochy. Bruce Bochy, a Poway guy, a longtime Poway resident, just announced his retirement, which will take place at the end of this year. Um, Bruce, of course, is the, is the uh, manager of the San Francisco Giants baseball team. Um, he uh, took that team to three World Series championships. I mean, this guy is a lock for the Cooperstown Baseball Hall of Fame. Um, Bruce, of course, started his career in the Padres organization, came up through the minors, played on the Padres. He was a backup catcher in the 80s. Um, he became the manager. Actually, he was managing in the minors in the late 80s, early 90s. He came on board as the manager in the early 90s and helped along with his close friend, Kevin Towers, rest in peace. Kevin Towers, the GM at the time, they helped bring a championship, National League West Championship in 1996. And Bruce Bochy was the manager of the Padres when they went to the World Series in 1998. And um, just great guy. And I don't know if you're, if you're in Poway, if you're watching this podcast or listening, maybe you've seen Bruce Bochy around town, and I have. It's kind of fun where... I mean, I I don't know if he still owns the house on Brittany, was it Brittany Court Lane, I think is. It's right off of Stone Ridge um, here in, excuse me, it's right off of Stone Canyon Road in Poway. And if I go into the back far corner of my backyard, and if I'm feeling good, I could take a baseball and I could probably throw it and have it land in Bruce Bochy's property, assuming he still owns that house. He lives really close. Um now, that might be a stretch. I might need to have a bat and hit the ball. <laughs> I may, may not be able to throw it that far, especially right now at my age. But um, I've seen him around town walking his dog and hanging out. And um, he's always friendly. He always, you know, gives you a nod or a wink and says hello. Um, I know that, um, you know, another gentleman we've spoken about here on the John Riley Project, Kevin McNamara, you know, Kevin, the guy that's um, the driving force of the new Stone Ridge um, country club, you know, home development project, the, the farm at Stone Ridge. Kevin McNamara is actually a, a good personal friend of Bruce Bochy. So I've seen the two of them show up at Poway City Council meetings together. So um, I know Bruce, I, he I was supposed to have been about seven or eight years ago. He eventually moved up to San Francisco. And I thought one of his uh, children had uh, kept the house here in Poway and was living there. Um, so now that Bruce, you know, he's going to finish out 2019 and, you know, he's going to have a great farewell season. I mean, he's going to get huge applause at every city he visits um, throughout 2019. It'll be great to watch. Um, but when he wraps up his career, I wonder, hey, Bruce, you going to come back to Poway? We'd love to have you back. Um, but, you know, if you're going to spend your retirement in San Francisco or elsewhere, good for you. Um, you've had an incredible career. He's been 
a manager continuously now for over 25 years, which there are very, very few people in Major League Baseball history that have been a manager for that amount of time, especially continuously with no breaks. Um, he's three World Series championships. He's had four World Series appearances and just a great guy. Um, and uh, so, Bruce, uh, congratulations on your announcement. Um, your swan song season is going to be wonderful to watch. I, I think I read somewhere that in um, July, there's going to be the final game um, when the, of the season when the Giants will be at Petco. So hopefully that's going to be a sellout here in San Diego. There have been some nonsense people on Padres Twitter that are saying, well, we shouldn't do anything special for Bruce Bochy because he won the World Series championships for the Giants. Well, come on, people. Uh, Bruce Bochy was, you know, a main guy in the the growth and the history of the San Diego Padres. He was basically run out by the new ownership. They wanted a, a, a clean slate, a fresh approach. But everyone knew that Bruce Bochy was such a great manager that if he was ever let go, he'd be picked up by another team immediately. And that's what happened. The minute the Padres let him go, the Giants signed him, I think, within 30 days, uh, made him their manager, and the rest is history. So Bruce is a key part of Padres history. Um, I hope that uh, the Padres give you a great send-off. I don't know if they're going to retire number. Um, maybe they will. Who knows? Um, but at minimum, there should be a huge celebration for um, the career of Bruce Bochy as a player, but particularly as a manager and as a man, as a quality man of upstanding character. So Bruce, super. Um, this is going to be a really fun season. We got Manny Machado in the Padres. We got Bruce Bochy wrapping up his career. And then what's going to happen? What's going to happen? Brian is Bryce Harper going to sign? Where's he going to go? People are now saying Harper is going to get more than Machado. He's going to get maybe over three hundred million. Is he going back to the Nationals? Are the Phillies going to step up? Is maybe the Giants? They were talking. The Giants were talking about maybe signing Harper. The Giants need outfield help, but I don't think they've got the financial flexibility. They've got all these, all these guys like Longoria and Posey and um, Samarja and Bumgarner who are great players, but definitely on the downside of their career that are making gobs and gobs of money, and all of them have no trade clauses to some degree. The, the Giants are in a tough spot. You know, they're they're not going to be able to spend much more money, and they're going to hit the payroll luxury tax if they did. So they've been flirting with Bryce Harper from a positional perspective. He makes a ton of sense in the outfield for the Giants. But financially, I don't think the numbers line up. So I'm interested to see where Harper goes. And then, then we've got this other floodgate of free agents, you know, Dallas Keuchel, Craig Kimbrell. Uh, well, Moustakis just signed. But there's a whole bunch of, well, uh, Marwin Gonzalez. I mean, there's a lot of really good ballplayers that, are worthy and should be on some of these teams, but I think everyone's been waiting for the Machado and Harper signings to get to get done. So they kind of have a, a framework of what the free agent marketplace is going to be for the year. So now one of those two dominoes just fell. Machado with the Padres. Man, can you believe it? Can you believe it? The San Diego Padres have signed Manny Machado. Two years in a row, the San Diego Padres has signed the top free agent on the market. Two years in a row, the San Diego's Padres have outspent all 29 other Major League Baseball teams to get the number one free agent on the market. 
I can't believe this. It's like I'm dreaming. This is unbelievable. This is fantastic. And it's not, and, and, the, and they're still doing it from a responsible, prudent business perspective. It still makes sense. Isn't that great? I mean, so this is going to be a wonderful baseball season. So I'm really looking forward to it. So um, until my next episode, um, I'm looking forward to coming back again. I, I, I told the people on the, on the insiders group that I was going to have another podcast coming. We'll be talking about presidential candidates, Bill Weld in the, in the Republican Party. And we'll be talking about Bernie Sanders, who just today announced his candidacy for president. That'll probably be my next podcast. Talk about those two individuals. That'll be a fun one. Um, and, um, hey, I'll be coming back real soon, hopefully in the next day or two. I'm still trying to figure out the iTunes algorithm on how they, how they rate the audio only podcasts. And I think the thing I'm learning is if I release these on a consistent basis, then I think that's going to help my ratings. And so I'm going to try to get to that right now. I release episodes when I feel like it, I release episodes when I have an idea I put it together, or when I have a guest that wants to join me, we schedule it. And then as soon as it's done, I get it packaged. And with the help of my uh, partner, Zeke, uh, Zeke Kitchen, he'll help me out too on the video, and then we'll post it. But I think we're going to need to get to a more consistent schedule. And if I do that, hopefully my iTunes ratings will start going. So what can you do to help? If you love the John Riley Project and, and you want more and you want to participate, there's a lot of things you can do. The number one thing you can do is listen to every episode or watch every episode. We really appreciate you participating. Um, tell a friend, share this with somebody. Um, pass them a link or in a conversation, tell them to look up the John Riley Project. It's on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, TuneIn. I mean, we're on all the major podcast platforms. Recommend us. We'd really appreciate that. The other thing you can do is go on to iTunes and leave a rating, give us a five-star rating, write a comment. If you like what you're seeing, put a rating down. I don't think we have any ratings yet. I don't think we have any comments yet on our iTunes channel. So please do that. That really helps me. It really helps out this project because the more people that leave ratings and give you know four or five stars, that helps us. And it helps us move up the, um, the ladder in iTunes and it'll give us more uh, visibility and more exposure and hopefully we'll get more people subscribing. Speaking of subscribing, you can go on a YouTube channel, and if you're watching on YouTube now, right below, there's a red button, subscribe. So please subscribe. So we're up to about 35 subscribers on YouTube, so I'm trying to build that. We've got over 175 followers on our Facebook page, so we're still in the infancy. We're still trying to grow this. So the more you can join me on social media, subscribe on YouTube, leave ratings on um, iTunes. All of that is greatly appreciated and helpful. Um, what else can you do? Go to my website, johnreillyproject.com. There you can sign up on our email list. If you're a business and you'd like to be a sponsor, um, there's, a, there's a link in the menu for a sponsorship and we can read ads uh, here on our podcast talking about your business. So you help us, we help you. And then, um, hey, if you wanna be a contributor and donate to the project, there's a link on the website to do that as well. So um, closing words. I usually like to leave words of wisdom Today, I'm just speaking from the heart. I didn't really have anything prepared. Um, but uh, the guy that jumps out to me right now is, uh, is Clint Eastwood. 
you remember in the Dirty Harry movie? And he said to that guy, he had, the, he had a gun on him. You know, he's down on the ground. He says, I got a, 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 a six-shooter revolver. And he says, do you feel lucky, punk? Remember that line? Well, you know what? I feel lucky. The Padres have signed Manny Machado. I think the luck is turning, man. The San Diego sports curse, we could be turning the corner. This could be an inflection point, a pivotal moment. So do I feel lucky? You're damn right I feel lucky. So I hope you're having a great day. Thank you for joining me and signing off John Riley Project, episode 35 on February 19th, 2019. Thank you very much. Bye-bye.